We're in the middle of Be Rich, as John already said, and it's been such a fun season so far. So we started two weeks ago, um, all deciding or hopefully deciding that we're going to give. Be Rich is about give, serve, and love. And week one was about giving, the $39.95 that we're going to give away straight to our community, to needs all throughout the community. And uh, if you haven't jumped on board with that yet, please do. We're going for 100% participation. It's truly phenomenal. Like, it's truly phenomenal what happens when we all just do one little part. I can't wait. If this is your first Be Rich, I can't wait for you to see the end result of what our family of churches and all, by the way, all around the city, all around the region, all in, in, in other countries as well, what we do. Um, so if you haven't jumped on board with that yet, go to the website, look into it. You can see all the stuff that we give to. Last week, we talked about serving. We had our partners out there in the courtyard, which are just, I mean, a few of uh, hundreds of different partners that um, the whole effort is supporting with service hours in, in our communities. And uh, if you haven't gone around to signing up to serve, you can do that the same website, berich.org or eastcopchurch.org slash berich. They, they're both there, all that information. And uh, we're, we're finishing out today talking about love because there are three aspects to be rich. It's give, it's serve, and it's love. And the love week is, um, you may have guessed it, it's especially important to us at East Cobb Church because our mission is, what? what's our mission at East Cobb Church, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, there you go. It's love where you live. I mean, that's something that's right at the heartbeat of our church. It's why we planted this church, um, you know, a year and a half ago. And, uh, and I'm really excited about how we're going to move together as East Cobb Church in loving our community. I mean, you already are moving and doing this, but I'm really excited about two specific ways that starting this Sunday, we're going to move together to uh, not just give and not just serve. And those are very, very important, but I want to move together to love where we live and love our community. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you the first way. The first way is this right here. I'm really excited about this idea. Our team has been kind of dreaming about this for a minute. You're going to get one of these little business cards on the way out the door. And um, on one side, it says love where you live or hashtag love where you live. And then if you flip it on the other side, it just says uh, pass it on. Now you're going to get one of these cards and I do want you to consider using it though. Of course you don't have to. Some of us are going to feel sheepish and it's okay. Um, but uh, I want you to really consider using this and like, and, and here's how. I want us this week or if not this week in the next two weeks for sure before we come back for the whole Be Rich celebration and you know, t- uh, two Sundays from now. And I want you to go do something randomly kind, generous or loving to someone in our community just for no good reason at all other than that you want to love where you live. So like, here's an example. The classic might be that you're at Starbucks getting a coffee and you just say, hey, go ahead and put the last person's coffee on my tab. Wait, how many coffees is it? It's just one. Okay, yeah, put it on my tab. And, and, uh, and then you just give them this card and it just says, pass it on. Love where you live. There's no like East Cobb Church. No like, you should pray to receive Jesus. Right? It's not on there like that. It's just a black card and it's got love where you live. Uh, or uh, at our household, um, we actually, our kids kind of have a little budding relationship with two people that come to our house often, our garbage man and the FedEx delivery man. Between work and personal, we get a lot of packages at the door. So we know our FedEx guy. And so we as a family are thinking like, maybe we could do something special for him. Cause like we know him and he's a great guy and we just want to love where we live. Like what's his favorite snack? I don't know. Maybe we could leave that out and just like stick the card in there. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. You guys are very creative. You don't need me to tell you how to do it, but I want to challenge you this week to just go have fun 
planting the seeds of love where you live and stick this card in there and just say, hey, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Because I think in and of itself, I would love for us to be in the habit of doing that, that we're just gonna be those kinds of people. But I do have a a bigger agenda because, hey, here's what I believe. I believe one month soon, and I'm hoping it's this month, um, that there's gonna be a construction project on the corner of Johnson Ferry and Shallowford Road. I don't know if anybody else is with me and believe in that. Yeah, and... uh, and you know what's going to happen when those construction fences go up? There's going to be a big sign on it. And it's going to look just like this. And it's going to say, love where you live. And I want people to drive by and go, oh my gosh, that's those people. So I want you to start planting those seeds now. That we are the people of God. We're the kingdom of God. We love where we live. And we're going to go do some random acts of kindness just because you are worth it. No strings attached. I don't even, you don't even know my name. You don't even know where we're from, but we just love where we live. Uh, so go ahead and start planting the seeds in our community. That man, We could be this kind of community. And what if we were? What if we just loved one another as Jesus has loved us? That's where our mission statement comes from. For those of you that may not know, just Jesus' one command, his big command, go love one another as I have loved you. So you're gonna get one of these on the way out. This is way number one. I'm pumped about it. Uh, my family is already dreaming about like, how we're gonna do it. And I hope yours will start this Sunday as well. So this is way number one. And uh, I'll remind you that before we leave. But way number two uh, is also even more exciting to me. Uh, to be honest with you, it's going to be more scary than way number, way number two is more scary than way number one. It is uh, more long-term than way number one. And um, it's, uh, it's bigger. It's a bigger way to love someone. In fact, if, if, if giving someone, you know, buying someone's coffee and, you know, throwing a card at the, the tenant and say, hey, hand that to them, that might be the smallest way that we could go love where we live. The one that I want to spend some time talking about today is, in my opinion, the biggest way that we can love where we live. The most ultimate way that I believe you and I could love another person that we live around, work around, or happen to run into as we go through our lives. If you're a Jesus follower, it's the ultimate way that we are called to love one another as Christ has loved us, to love our neighbors and love our friends. Um, If you're a Jesus follower, it is the ultimate way that he has personally asked you, personally asked you and me, to love the people that we run into when we live life around every uh, single day. And so what today's gonna end with is I wanna put in front of us, those of us who are Jesus followers here in the room and watching online who are part of East Cobb Church, um, as your pastor, I wanna plant in front of you and in front of me one simple habit that I want us to have for as long as we are, get to be a part of this church, I want to put in front of us one simple habit that I'm going to ask myself and I'm going to ask you to forge and cultivate and maintain because I believe this one simple habit, it will determine whether or not we fulfill God's mission for our church, whether we walk in and we go through life doing the thing that he has personally asked us to do. Um, And by the way, if you're not a Christian and you're like, whoa, wait, what does this have to do with me? Um, I'm excited that you're, you're here today because I know when it comes to Christianity and you're considering Christianity, maybe you've kind of had a, a you know, front row seat to someone in your family who was a Christian or you just kind of watched from afar culturally or whatever. Uh, I know there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of like ideas and there's a lot of talk and maybe there's a lot of little confusion, a little bit of confusion as to like what Christianity in the end of the day is all about. Uh, and today, what I'm talking about is the core of what Christianity is. If you've ever wondered, like, could somebody distill this whole thing down to me? Like, what is it really? Like, in the end of the day, can you, like, say it in, like, one concept or, like, a couple of phrases? That's what I want to give you 
today. I hope you walk out of here with the, the clearest picture that you've ever had for what, what Jesus is actually about and what he is offering potentially to you and what church and Christianity is all about. So I'm super glad you're here. This is absolutely for you. I hope you walk out of here for the perhaps the first time going like, oh, I get it. Thank you. That was like super helpful. All the noise, confusion, ideas, and, ah, and arguing. That was really helpful. So um, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I think today uh, how we're going to move together in this particular way to love where we live, I hope it'll be either helpful, but for those of us who are Jesus followers, I hope it'll be inspiring. And so to get us thinking in the right direction, I do have a question for us today. And here's the question. Have you ever found something that was so good or so compelling or so enjoyable or so attractive that you just couldn't help talking about it? You ever had a moment like that? Yeah, you run into something, you're like, dang, that is good. And you just can't help but going, to going and telling somebody. One of the more recent ones of those for me uh, was this right here. It was, I know you're not gonna believe it, but it was Marlowe's Tavern, okay? Uh, so we used to live down in the city. We were living in the Brookhaven area down in the city for over a decade. My wife and I met down there, got married down there. We lived down there, had a bunch of kids down there. Well, um, in 2019, I'm getting old and I lose track of time these days. Yeah, 2019, we moved up uh, to, to East Cotton. We just live like, you know, we're really like just a couple minutes from where our, we believe our future property is gonna be and not too far from here uh, as well. So we're like close to 92 on Sandy Plains. And y'all, I'd like heard of Marlowe's. It's not like I've never heard of it. I heard some people like, yeah, where'd you eat Marlowe's? Oh, what's that? You know, I had heard of Marlowe's, but we moved up here and I went to one and I was like, oh my goodness, this place is hot. This place is amazing. This place, like the fries alone, those like truffle Parmesan fries, like get out of here. It's so good. I mean, you know, I just kind of like, it's like, like chilies, but awesome. You know, it's like, oh, I was so excited. I was like, it's actually really good. Uh, the burger, I love the tavern burger. Oh, the shrimp and grits though. Come on, the shrimp and grits. Can I get an amen on the shrimp and grits? I love the shrimp and grits. Um, oh, and then my friend PJ, I don't know if PJ's here. PJ, you here? Um, she, she got me onto the, the ahi Asian tuna salad, but if you take out the ahi tuna and sub in the blackened salmon, oh my goodness, you will never eat another, another salad in your life. Anyway, I loved Marlowe's. I went to it like two, once and I was like, oh my gosh, babe, this is like minutes from our house. We were going back. We, I, went, I probably ate Marlowe's like seven times in the first week that I was living in the area. And I mean, every meeting I had, every uh, like friend that I hung out with, I was just like, they're like, hey, where do you want to go? I'm like, no, I already know where we're going. We were going to Marlowe's. I mean, everything. I was just Marlowe's junkie. It was like I was from their marketing department. It was like they had me on retainer as an advertiser. I was like an evangelist from Marlowe's, you know? It just was like, I couldn't stop talking about it. And um, I mean, it, got, it just became a running joke. Like people would meet like, man, you, you weirdly, weirdly like Marlowe's. Like, I mean, I know it's fine. It's great, but like, holy cow. But I get, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't get over it. Um, and that's the thing about like good news. That's just kind of how good news works. When you find something that you love or you find something that's great, you got some good news, good news is contagious. It's just true, it's good news is contagious. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be like, man, I should intentionally, you know, tell somebody about it. It's just good news is contagious. This is what you do. You get, uh, you know, you get a promotion. You just, you start telling people. You get a raise. You just start telling people. Your kid gets into college. You're like, our kid got into college. You need to go good news. You just share it. You, um, I don't know, buy a, go under a contract on your first house. One of our friends just did that. It was amazing. You're getting texts, celebrating. No, it's good news. You know, um, you go on a vacation somewhere sweet. You book a vacation, your first vacation in years since the kids were little. You're like, finally, we're getting away by ourselves. And you're like, we're gonna go to vacation. You know, you have good news. You, you share it. That's, 
That's just the, the way that it is. When you have good news for you, you, you can't wait to share it. Just as how you go through life. You've been doing that since you were a little kid. Uh, however, this is also true. When you have good news for someone else, you really can't wait to share it. I've noticed this about myself. I like sharing my own good news, but when I have good news for somebody else, I'm like thinking about when am I going to tell them? Because I can't wait. Like this is like recently, we took our kids uh, on fall break. We went to uh, Disney World for a day. It's a Star Wars land, Galaxy's Edge, did the whole lightsaber thing. Um, it's, it's just for my son, I promise. It wasn't for me. I'm not a Star Wars nerd or anything. Uh, but we could not wait to tell them that we were going to Disney World. I had good news for my kids and I go, oh, I couldn't wait to tell them. You know, you were like, and my wife's like planning on like how we're gonna do it, you know, and all that. Or um, this happens with grandparents sometimes if you have kids or if you remember that stage of life when your children do something great and the grandparents have been kind of waiting, like, did they get in or did they make it? Did they make the team? Did they win the game? Like you're excited to tell them because you know it's good news for them. It's why giving presents can be really fun. Like at Christmas time, when you get a great present for your spouse and you're like, this is good news and she doesn't know it yet. I can't wait for you to open it. And you're just like, you know, and you can't wait for her to see what you got her, um, it, you know, so on and so forth. This is true too. When you have good news for someone else, you really can't wait to share it. It's natural. You know, think about it. It's not manufactured. It's just kind of part of being human. And I bring that up because it's this principle. It's this mechanism, this, uh, this force that just is in every single human being. It's this mechanism or this principle that launched the entire Christian movement from day one. It's this mechanism right here that took Christianity from like 12 Jewish boys and a rabbi to a global movement. Good news. Like, like they believed that they had good news. In fact, that's what they called it. We, we had a whole series on this in the, in the pandemic. You may or may not remember that, but we talked about this, that they had an interesting name for their faith. They didn't just call it like the religion of Jesus. They didn't call it. They, they, were, they actively called it good news. In fact, it, it became so synonymous with Christianity that we have a word today that, it, it, that we use kind of colloquially about and around the Christian faith. And it's the word, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, gospel music, gospel choirs, um, you know, so on and forth. This word means good news. It's where this word comes from. It's good news. And these these first Christians, they were so convinced that they had good news. And not only that they had good news, they, they found it so compelling and so motivating and so energizing and so urgent that it had a peculiar and yet predictable effect on them. And that is that they just could not stop talking about it. They just couldn't shut up about it. Couldn't quit. They couldn't stop talking about it. And this peculiar effect that it had on them, it, it not only was effective, look at Christianity today, but it got them into some trouble. In fact, it got them into a whole lot of trouble right from the start. And, and the, the, um, the historian and gospel writer, he, Luke, he records one such instance in his historical document that we have in the New Testament called the Acts of the apostles. And, uh, and again, Luke, the doctor in the story, and he, he tells of a time, this is after Jesus has died and we believe risen from the dead and, and has ascended into heaven. Uh, and now the disciples are left by themselves. They were at first running away, cowering in rooms and then 
crazy enough, something happened that completely changed their demeanor and their attitude and their boldness. And then all of a sudden they're out in the streets and they're preaching Jesus and they're like doing crazy things. In this one instance, uh, Peter, he has an encounter with a man who's been lame since he was born. Well-known beggar at the temple. Everybody knew him. Everybody knew, oh yeah, that's the guy. He's been there forever. He's been there since he was born. This guy can't, can't do anything for a living. Well, he has this famous interaction. Those of you who've read the Bible or, or you've read Acts, you know of this. He looks at the man, he says, gold and silver have I none, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. I tell you, get up and walk. And the man gets up and walks. Bombshell in the Jerusalem community because everybody knows this guy. And, it, and right after this, the, what they call the Sanhedrin, the ruling Jewish religious elders, they hear about this and they're like, I thought we already dealt with this. What's, ne- what's this now? What happened? And this is where Luke, he's recording what happened. This is where he picks up. He says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. So they just healed a guy. Everyone's freaking out. And Peter and John are out there just telling them, hey, this is Jesus, man. This is about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. They're just talking about Jesus. And they're not supposed to be talking about Jesus. Everybody knew that, but yet here they are. Uh, and so they were, they were speaking to the people and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. So they uh, seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Now on that next day, it goes from, hey, we're kind of in trouble because we were like saying stuff we weren't supposed to be saying to, oh no, this just got this escalated quickly because the next day, the rulers, the elders and the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. So think Supreme Court, President of the United States and Congress, they're all together and, and, and they're talking about you and what you just did yesterday. Uh, Annas, the high priest was there and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander and the others of the high priest family. And so they have them brought in, they had Peter and John brought before them and they began to grill them and question them by what power or what name do you think you can do what you're doing? And so they're in a, they're in a mess. Stakes are high. And this is like the intersection of so many different branches of society. I mean, the consequences that they could be facing are physical. I mean, they just crucified Jesus, like just. So, I mean, that just happened. They can get whipped, they can get killed, they can get executed. It's not just physical though. They can get uh, social punishment. They can be um, outcast from Jewish society, like basically canceled. These guys have all the power in the world to cancel these guys. Their livelihood, their their social interactions, their reputations in the community. I mean, with a word, with a word. It's over. Uh, but not only physical, not only, you know, cultural and social, but like religious. These guys can kick them out of the temple and can no longer worship at the temple, kicked out of the people of God. The stakes could not have been higher for these ordinary guys. These guys don't have means. They don't have connections. They don't have wealth. They don't have any security. And here they are before literally the law of the whole land and the stakes are high as can possibly be. And there is absolutely no incentive for them to do anything other than shut their mouths. There is literally no upside for them to do anything other than like, yes, sir, we're so sorry. We'll just knock it off and we'll go, you know, talk elsewhere about what we have to say. No incentive except for this, for what they actually say to them. Here's how it goes down. Um, Peter gives a little speech. We'll come back to that in a second. And he's, uh, but the, the rulers, this is when they saw the courage of Peter and John. I mean, how are these guys so courageous? Didn't we just kill their leader? And they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. These guys didn't go to college. They're high school dropouts. They're blue collar workers. Nothing wrong with that at all, but that's who they are. They're not like extra learned. These guys, the Sanhedrin, very smart, credentialed, connected, educated. And they're like, these guys are just ordinary. What's up with this? They were astonished and they took note that these men had been 
with Jesus. And so they confer amongst themselves, like, what do we do? They just healed this guy. They're preaching Jesus. I thought we fixed that. This is kind of a dilemma for us. How do we handle it? They come back and, they, and here's, what, here's what they do. They called them in again and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Y'all, knock it off. We don't want to hear another word. Not another word. You understand? You know the stakes, right? We can have you killed, excommunicated, canceled, cut off. So knock it off. No more words. And then here's Peter and John's response. They replied, which is right in God's eyes, O rulers of the land? To listen to you or to him? Trick question. They know the answer to that. You be the judges. As for us though, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Hey, judges, hey, rulers, hey, people in charge, I hear you. We're shaking in our boots. I know that you, you can ruin our lives. You can end our lives. I know that you can take everything away. And I know you're telling us to be quiet, but I just got to tell you, we can't do it. I just got to tell you, we can't do it. We can't do it because we just can't help speaking about what we saw and what we heard. There's no other way we can stop talking about it because what we saw was so good. We've got good news for the people of Jerusalem and it is just too good to stay quiet. So come with me. Do what you got to do, but we're going to do what we got to do. And we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And they didn't. They went right back and left them and they just kept right on speaking about what they'd seen and heard. They kept just right on preaching, kept right on doing their thing. And almost every single one of them, you know this, do you know this? Almost every single one of them would end up giving their lives for it. They'd be martyred, they'd be killed, they'd be executed, they'd be tortured, exiled. John was exiled without ever seeing any upside. They would go to their graves claiming Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was who he says he was. They would go to their graves claiming this good news without ever seeing an upside. There was no world religion that they'd say, oh, it's happening. Oh, look, it's happening. No, there wasn't a, no, one's getting, there was no money. There was no fame. There was no kickback. There was no benefit. There was no upside. And yet these guys just kept talking about it on into their deaths. And the question that just inevitably rises out of reading that, I mean, I don't care who you are, Christian or not, you read this, and especially if you're reading in his history, because Luke's a historian, he's not, he didn't have an agenda, he's trying to record history. You, you go, what is it that they thought they saw and heard? What in the world did they see and hear that was so compelling that they would make such a crazy decision like this? And the answer is not simply the teachings of Jesus, though, I mean, that's kind of what you people always say. Well, Jesus was a really, really good teacher. And hey, to be clear, absolutely he was. I mean, no matter which angle of history you look at, I mean, it's recorded that people were mesmerized by Jesus's teaching. He taught, like they said, as Jewish people would say, he taught as one who had authority, not like anyone they'd ever heard before. And the disciples, these guys, John and Peter, absolutely heard and saw that. Oh yes. I mean, they heard Jesus unlock the mysteries of life with his teaching. They heard him um, explain and make sense of the complexities of life. They, they heard him, they sat and watched as he unveiled a kingdom of heaven ethic that was just irresistible. It was as if this was who we were made to be. It was like everyone listening was like, this is how the world was meant to be. And it's because it was. And so they, they, they absolutely had a front row seat to his an unbelievable teaching, but make no mistake, what they saw and heard was, was way beyond just his teaching. I mean, don't 
forget, these guys saw a man walk on water. These guys saw a man command storms. These guys saw blind eyes opened to sight. They saw crippled legs healed so that they could walk. These guys, they saw paralyzed people receive feeling again. They saw, they saw people with lifelong chronic pain and condition find relief and freedom. They saw unbelievable things happen. But that was just the miracles. I mean, that was just stuff in the physical world beyond that. I mean, these, these guys had a front row seat. They watched a man talk to God and God talk back. They watched a man who could, who could ask heaven for things and heaven would respond and yes was the answer. They, like, they watched that happen. They watched a man demonstrate authority over nature, over time, over our sin, over our souls. They saw and they heard sinners be forgiven and lost causes get a second chance in God's story. They saw and heard people far from God become his sons and daughters. And then most importantly, they, they literally watched a man die for the sins of the world and rise from the dead. Demonstrating that all this time, he really was who he said he was. He wasn't just Jesus of Nazareth. No, he was actually Jesus, the Messiah. God himself walking among us, the savior of the world who had come to give us and restore to us life and life to the fullest. That's what they saw and heard. That's what they saw and heard. You can't help speaking about what you see in here, what you see. That's what they saw and they heard. And they just couldn't help it. They just couldn't help it. In fact, that's what Peter says to them. He has the guts to say these words to them. I mean, this is kind of, this is in his own words. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected. He's quoting Old Testament scripture here, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's what these guys saw and heard. And they believed that they had good news, like amazing news, and not just for themselves. The very last words that Jesus said to them confirmed what he had demonstrated with his life, that this good news was good news for the whole entire world. His last words were, go therefore into the world and make disciples. Go pass on this good news to people of every, every culture, every race, every, every language, every dialect, every geography that's on planet earth. This is good news for the whole wide world, that God really did love the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. See, that's the only way that makes any sense at all. Good news is contagious. And when you have good news, you can't wait to share it. But when you've got good news for somebody else, you really, you really can't wait to tell them. And that's what was true of these guys. They had good news and the good news was too good to keep to themselves. The good news was too good keep to themselves. We just, we just can't help it. I just, we just can't help it. I'm so sorry, guys. We just can't help speaking about what we've seen. 
And what we've heard is too good. And the whole point of me bringing this up today is simply this. We have the same good news. Jesus followers in East Cobb Church, hey church family, we got the same good news. We are the people of good news. We are carriers of the good news. What good news? The good news that life to the fullest is possible. That God has shown the light into our darkness and he has shown us how to live. He has unveiled a, a kingdom of heaven ethic that is like who we were meant to be so that life to the fullest is, it's possible. Like life in confusion and life in regret and life with hurt and life leaving a wake in, in, you know, in, of destruction in your path. That is not the only option. No, life to the fullest is possible because Jesus has shown us a way. And, and that, that is good news for every single person in our entire community. Following Jesus really will, it actually will make your life better and it'll make you better at life. And that is amazing news for every single person that you live, work and play around. And that would be enough. I mean, that's really good news. That, that would be enough, but that's just the beginning. Like that's just like introduction to the good news. We aren't just carriers of good news for this life and the here and now. We're carriers of good news for the next life as well. Because we live in a world that's full of pain and y'all, we know the healer. We live in a world where people and things get lost all the time. We know the one who knows the way. We live in a world full of things that are broken, but we know the one who can fix anything. We, know, we live in a world where all kinds of things fall apart and get ruined, but we know a redeemer. We, we live in a world that's in the grip in so many ways of, of, of evil or brokenness or sin, but we know the one who can defeat sin. We live in a world where things are dying and people die and things pass away all of the time, but we know the one who can raise the dead and the day is coming. The day is coming when in Jesus' name, what's hurt is gonna be healed and what's broken is gonna be fixed and what's lost is gonna be found again and what's ruined is gonna be redeemed and restored and what's dead is gonna come alive in his name. We're carriers of good news, not just for this life, but for the one to come as well. And that is why that is why the church is vital. If you've ever heard, if you're not a Christian, you ever heard someone say that church is the light of the world and you thought that's pretty presumptuous. It's like kind of self, you know, praising there a little bit, but this is why. This is why Jesus said, the church, you guys, you are the light of the world. You're like a city on a hill. Why? Because we're perfect? No, nuh-uh. Because we get it right all the time. We're like superior people, not even close. Because it's an organization that makes all the right moves and never makes a mistake. No, are you kidding? No, that's not why at all. Church is the light of the world because we have great news for desperate needs. That's why we're the light of the world. We have great news for desperate needs, ours first and foremost. And man, if you're not a Christian, I hope that you will get this today. I know maybe people have given you a bunch of different ideas or their own opinions and thoughts about like what Christianity is, or maybe you find it hard to understand. And no one's really kind of shot you straight on like at its core, what is this all about? Well, it's about this right here that I believe Jesus has great news for your most desperate needs. I believe he is offering you great news for your most desperate needs. Why? Because he cares about you and he loves you and he came for you. Not for me, not for Christians, for you, for all of us. And so I hope that you'll walk away and consider this, that in the end of the day, this is what 
our church is about, this is what Christianity is about. And if, by the way, Christianity up to this point in your life has not felt like great news for your most desperate needs, it's probably because somebody either gave you a poor explanation, and I'm sorry that happened, or they gave you a very poor example. And at a minimum, I hope maybe today would be just the beginnings of changing that. And I just wanted to tell you, no, what this is all about is that God has amazing news for you. He has great news for your most desperate needs, just like he does for mine. But hey, church family, those of us who are Jesus followers, man, this is especially important for us. And it's especially relevant and practical for us. And and here's why. Um, Because not only do we have the same good news as they did, as John and Peter did, as the generation since them did. And not only do we carry the same good news, don't miss this. We have the same urgency. Because every single one of us, we live within walking distance of like hundreds, thousands of people who don't know it. Or maybe a better way to say that is not that they don't know it like intellectually, they haven't seen it and heard it for themselves. That's the better way to say it. Because like I'd heard of Marlowe's, right? Somebody told me about Marlowe's. I knew that Marlowe's existed, but I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. But it was when I went and had those Parmesan truffle fries. That, that's when it was like, oh, that's what you were talking about. I hadn't seen it and heard it for myself. I mean, I knew about it. I was smart enough to comprehend Marlowe's. I got it. You told, I, I remembered Marlowe's. I'd heard of Marlowe's before, but I hadn't seen it and heard it for myself. And you, you and I, we, we, we live within walking distance of hundreds of people, maybe even thousands of people who haven't heard and who haven't seen what you have heard and seen. They are still living without the best news that's ever been given to them. And the same urgency applies. It's just as urgent now as it was back then when John and Peter stood before the Sanhedrin. I think Paul captures it really well in his letter to the Romans. He, he describes the urgency this way. This is a kind of a famous passage. He starts by saying, hey, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I wanted to start there because this is amazing and this is very important. It's everyone. It's not like, hey, you know, a few of you and, or those of you that are like, you know, raised a Christian or those of you who like grew up in church, you guys call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And by the way, saved, he's talking about everything. I was just talking about the good news of Jesus, both for this life and for the next. But he's like, no, 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 this is for everyone. This isn't for a good people. This isn't for religious people or just them. It's not just for a certain culture. It's not just certain, certainly not for a certain color or a language or a geography. No, no, no. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God has invaded, heaven has invaded earth and God is inviting everyone. He's not gonna make you call on the name of the Lord. He didn't create robots. He created people he wants a relationship with, but he, is, he has invaded your story and he has invaded our history with Jesus and he died and he rose from the dead so that you could call on him in your greatest need and find rescue. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. Open invitation to the whole wide world because God loves every single person in the whole wide world and wants a relationship with every single person in the whole world. However, Paul adds to it this, this urgency. He goes, yeah, but, 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 how then can they call on the name? Because everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God's like, I want everyone to find in me my plan for their life and rescue and salvation. But hey, how can they call on the one that they haven't believed in? 
Well, and, and how could they ever come to trust or believe? That's what this word means, just to trust. I've, I trust God. How can they have trust in or believe in the one whom they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching or this is just communicating, telling them? I was like, isn't it awesome that, that we have the best news in the universe that God is literally through Jesus inviting everyone to find life in him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But, but there's like one thing, guys. How, how can they call on the one that they haven't believed in? And now I think about it, how can they believe in the one that they haven't even heard of for themselves, seen and heard for themselves? And by the way, how can they hear unless somebody tells them? And the applied answer is, well, they can't. So you, you, you should tell them. That's the urgency. Well, you should tell them. We can't help speaking about what we've seen in her. You should join those who can't help speaking about what they've seen her. You should tell them. And this is, of course, where the awkward in the room rises. I already know that. This is where some of the similarities between those first Christians and us sometimes break down a little bit. Because while they had good news, they couldn't help speaking and sharing and talking about and inviting people into. Sometimes, as churches, we have good news that kind of seems like our best kept secret. I mean, because we're busy and who has time to like think about that anyway? Or because it's kind of awkward and like, I don't know how to talk about religion and like the words and I don't know. I don't even know what I'd say. I don't have all the answers. I'm not even like, I, don't know, I go to church like a couple times a month. I'm not even an expert, you know. Or because it's not like the most acceptable thing in culture. Like you're not supposed to talk about, I mean, you know, old generations, you never talk about faith and politics. Of course, we threw politics, that one out the window. And that's all we talk about now um, on social media. But, uh, you know, culture kind of says it's weird. I mean, what, what if I bring it up, what's am I going to say? It, it, what if they get offended? And what if they ask a question, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of fear and reservations and resistance and awkwardness. And I feel all the same things that you do. And culture's right there with us going like, yeah, damn, yeah, maybe not. Don't, don't do that. And yet the fact remains that every single person that you are around is someone that God made and for whom Jesus died and to whom he is communicating, offering good news. Like he knows the hairs on their heads. He loves them more than you can even imagine. And he has good news for them. He is inviting them to experience life to the fullest in him. And he's put their invitation in your hands. And he's going, hey, 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 how can they call on the one they don't believe? And how can they believe in the one they haven't heard? And how can they hear unless someone like you actually tells them in one way or another? And if you and I, this is the whole point of today, and we're done. If you and I are going to be a church, hey, East Cop Church, if we're going to be a church that loves where we live, yes, I hope we do this all the time when no strings attached. Just go be kind to people, be generous, help them, come alongside them, pray for them, love them, be there for them with like nothing, asking nothing in return at all. But if we're really gonna love where we live, like the most ultimate way you, you, you could ever do that is if we're gonna do that, we, we have to be a people who when fear says, hey, just keep your mouth shut or when culture says, hey, that's kind of awkward and weird and I don't know, we have to be a people to go, nah, we got the best news in the world. We got the best news in the world and the good news is too good. The good news is too good. The good news is too good for me to keep to myself. So God, just make me brave to share it. Because if the gospel is true, if the good news is true, then helping somebody connect those dots, it's not 
a mean thing and, a, and an inconvenience thing. No, it's like the most loving thing you could ever do. It's the number one way you could ever love somebody is to help them see and hear for themselves what you have seen and heard. If you think it's good news, then you should pass it on because the good news is, is too good. And that's my invitation to us today is to join the ranks of the very first Christians and being the kind of people that can't, just can't help sharing what we've seen and heard. We just can't help sharing what we've seen and we've heard. And so here's the one habit that I'd like to plant in the DNA of our church. And I'm gonna talk about this a lot. This won't be the last time you ever hear about it. Uh, I'm gonna do my best to lead the way in this personally as uh, your friend and your pastor. But this is the uh, habit that I want it to be like right at the core of who we are as a church in light of everything I've just said, because the good news is too good. And it's this habit right here uh, that you would invite someone to come and sit with you that this would be a habit, this would be a part of who we are, that you would be a person, we would be a church, that we invite people, we just invite people to come and sit with us. I hope that if you're a Jesus follower at East Cub Church, that you will always have someone that you are either inviting or for whom you are praying, God to give you an opportunity to invite. Why, because they're projects? No. No. Why? Because like you got to figure it out and they don't know probably the opposite. In fact, most people I meet, I'm like, wow, you're, you're better than me and smarter than me. No, it's not that at all. Um, why? Because we're judging them. Of course not. No. The reason that you would ever invite someone is because they're like a VIP to God. And he has literally moved to heaven and earth. He has literally shed his own blood so that they could find life and life to the fullest both right here and right now, because following Jesus, no matter what your faith is and no matter what your background is, following Jesus, if you even just start doing it now, start doing the things that he says, it'll make your life better. It'll make you better at life. That's fantastic news. But man, he also has incredible hope for the life to come. Um, they're like a VIP to God and he has an amazing news for them. And he's put the, uh, their invitation in your hands. How do I know that? Because you live next to him. How do I know that? Because you work with him. Well, is that coincidence? No, it's not. Because you've known him for 20 years. Somehow or another, you ended up being one of their best friends. That's how. Your kids play baseball with them. How could it be more obvious? God's put their invitation in your hands. And he's like, hey, how can they call on the one they haven't believed? And how can they believe in the one they haven't heard? And how can they, have, how can they hear unless somebody like invites them just to come here for themselves? So whose invitation do you have? That's the question I want to ask. Whose invitation do you have? And would you start now thinking about like, God, I wanna, we want to be a church that loves where we live. And the most ultimate way I could ever love someone is to do exactly what Peter and John did and never stop doing with every breath that they have, just inviting people in. Hey, come sit with me. Hey, come sit with me. Hey, we're having this thing. Just come sit with me. Come hang with me. Come church with me. I'll take you to lunch afterwards. Like, do I have to be weird? I, I hope you won't be weird. <laughs> Please don't be weird. Do I have to be like aggressive? No, 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 no. Please overtly don't be aggressive about it. Do you have to, do I gotta be like rude and no, don't be rude. No, never be rude. This is not about that. This isn't about launching into some explanation or reading them passages of the Bible. I mean, if you wanna do that, fine. I mean, you can absolutely do whatever you, but no, I, I hope absolutely you will invite people with love and with tact and do it in the right way at the right time. And you'll know how to do that. But let's be a people who get this idea. We, we got someone else's invitation. So I'm gonna invite him to come and sit with me so that they can have like a Marlowe's experience. Hey, just come and I'm gonna order you the fries, okay? Just come, I don't even wanna talk about it. I'm not gonna talk, I'm not gonna argue. There's no argument to have. Just come with me, just, let's go eat at Marlowe's and I'm gonna order the fries and you'll see for yourself. The good news is too good to keep to ourselves. And that's where it starts. It's just being the people that say, hey, I realize that I've got amazing news and it's so good that it's too good. It's too good to keep to myself. So, hey God, would you make me brave? 
when everything in me is like, oh, I don't know, fear's saying stop and culture's saying, is that appropriate and weird? No, it's totally appropriate to invite somebody to church. Of course it is. I can do that. God, make me brave. Just to join with the whole movement of church through the centuries to say, hey, come sit with me. I want us to be people who invite people. And by the way, if you're not a Christian, that's the whole point of today for you as well, is that, oh, you are invited and included by God. If you've ever felt like an outsider to the Christian faith, I am so, so sorry. You could not be more of an insider. I mean, you are like personally invited to be a part of this family by the creator of the universe, or at least I believe that. I believe that Jesus died specifically for you and for me. And like he had your story in mind. He had you in mind and he loves you and he values you and he wants to know you and he, and he wants you to grow and to trust him. Like, oh my gosh, you are, you could not be more of an insider to the family of God. And if you've ever felt like an outsider, I just want you to know you're invited. You are a VIP in this place. And I really do hope, I do hope that, the, that every time that you're around us, that, that our faith feels a little bit more and more like actual good news. Because I know there are some of you that it doesn't feel like good news and someone's made you feel like it's bad news for you and it is not. And man, I hope every day that you're around East Cobb Church, we make it feel just a little bit more like, oh my gosh, this really is good news. Even if you never agree with us, even if you never say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm officially Christian. Even if you never do that, I hope that we, our church being here is good news for you and your family that maybe your life is just a little bit better as you start to pick up on some things that Jesus teaches because following him, it will make your life better and make you better at life. So I just want you to know that, that I hope the more you're here, the more what we believe and what we talk about feels like good news to you and your family and those you love. But for us as a church family, that's where we're headed with this. Who are you inviting? I know, I hope you'll always have someone either you're inviting or you're asking God, hey God, would you show me the right way and the right time to just invite them or their kids to come, come sit with me, come hang with us at church? Why? Because we need more people? No. We have good news. We have good news and it's too good to keep to ourselves. So let's be brave. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, I, um, I thank you first off for my good news that I found in you, Jesus. I mean, you've changed my life. You have like shown light into my darkness and my life is so much better my relationships, my decisions are so much better because you're leading the way and you just have brought such good news that somebody knows where I, who I ought to be and where I ought to go and it's you and I'm following you. It's just made my life so much better. But I also praise you for the hope that I have for my future, that I know my future is secure and that my future is life and life to the fullest and that my sins are forgiven and that there's just nothing between me and God but love as my heavenly father. And I just thank you for that good news. And God, I pray that you would... Um, put on my heart and our hearts as a church who we might need to share that good news with just by a simple invitation. And you'd open those doors and maybe just maybe they too would see for themselves. They'd see and hear for themselves what we've seen and heard for ourselves. And they'd find good news for their families and for their futures. So however you want to use this, God, as best we can, we're saying yes, that you'd make us brave to just invite someone to come and let, trust you with the consequences and trust you with the rest of it. So God, we pray that you would uh, enable us to go love where we live, to go be rich in love and good deeds to our community, not just by giving, not just by serving, but this week by loving, whether it's through simple random acts of kindness or whether it's through just simply extending an invitation. And so I pray that you'd make that fruitful. And there'd be a lot of families in East Cobb that they just feel a little bit more blessed 
and a little bit more loved because we are here. We pray in the end of the day that years from now, our community's thought when they hear East Cobb Church is, man, I'm glad that church is there. Don't believe anything they believe, but I'm glad that church is there. They are good news for our community. And God, would you make us good news? I pray that we would be, that we would be those, we would just give, serve, and love this community with every breath we got and every dollar that we have and every ounce of energy that we got. And they would just be glad that we're here because, because, because you're giving and serving love it through us. So we pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen.